0: Doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's true. You will never never be the same after you're taught the word of God. Amen. You know this morning as I was studying and praying and trying to prepare for this morning, I struggled with this message and it's just the most simple thing probably that I've ever preached but I just I just thought, "God, help me." I mean, there were times in my office I said, "Jesus, help me, Jesus." You know, I've got to get a message, and he was giving it to me, and I guess it was just too simple for me to think, well, this can't be from him. You know, this could be from Lenore, but surely not from him. But anyway, this is what we have. It's good, and I believe that you'll be blessed. The title is The Love of Jesus. Simply the love of Jesus. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 3. Verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was a message of John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make His path straight. See, we're one week away from the most important day in history, what we call Easter. That's next Sunday. We're one week away from that. And our society says that Easter is about chickens and bunnies and rabbits and pretty clothes and brightly colored eggs, all of those things. You know, sometimes we say that spring is a a popping out a new beginning. And scripture says too that it's a new a new beginning because that's a time when messiah would come and loose the chains of oppression just like he did for david today and the people could live in freedom. Why? Because we serve a risen savior. Hallelujah. Because he has been raised from the dead and he is alive and he's well today and he can live and lives in your heart and in my heart. So therefore we are free. We don't, are no longer in bondage to sin because of him. The kingdom of heaven is near. Look at Matthew 4, 17. Matthew 4, 17. Jesus said, from that time Jesus began to preach, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want to ask every one of us today are we prepared? Oh, well, of course, Pastor Lenore. I'm prepared. I'm in church. Hmm. Just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. I can go sit in my garage all day and not be a car. Amen? Are we prepared? Do we have repentant hearts? Are we even prepared to repent? You know, repentance requires something of us. Repentance means turning from sin, from a former life. It means making a change. It means rooting out evil. It means turning from the sin that's in our lives. And see, when we do that, then then we'll be free. Repentance will cause freedom to come to us. But are we willing to do that? Or do we want to hang on to those little pet sins that nobody will ever know? Don't deceive yourself. God knows the number of hairs on your head. Eventually, the Bible says your sin will find you out. But there's a price to pay for freedom. Jesus paid the ultimate price. There's a price for us to pay. So I want to visit with you this morning and I want us to really understand the change that is going to be required of each and every one of us when we come into the presence of God. We sang this morning and I I was thinking of this song the other day and I talked to Mr. Matt about the worship team singing it. About we're standing on holy ground. There's such a um, um, such a desire. It's stronger than that. Such a, a demand, such a command for us to be holy as He is holy. Saints, we don't have much time. And he's going to come back for a church that's pure, holy, without spot, without wrinkle. I know we're not perfect, and we never will be until we stand and meet him face to face. But we do know the way. We know the truth. And we're to walk in that manner. Amen? You know, we all desire, we've heard people say, oh, I just want His presence. And thank God for what He did this morning in our services. That was just the presence of God manifesting Himself in this place. But there's so much more that He desires to do. And so I ask, are we ready to do what is required of us in order for Him to show Himself great in this place and in our hearts. You see, God's holy, need He demands holy living. Sometimes we're not comfortable with change that's going to be required of us to live a holy life. Why? Because we want our cake and we want to eat it too. We like the pleasures of sin, and there is pleasure in sin for a season until you get caught See, we live in, a, in the world, but we don't have to be of it. The Bible says that we are supposed to come out from among the world and we are to separate ourselves. And we become so conditioned to the world's standards that sometimes we think it requires too much of us to live a pure and a holy life. But you know, nothing is impossible with God. He will cause us to live that separated life He will cause us to live that holy life as long as we come to Him and as long as we seek His face and as long as we walk that holy path, that narrow path that He has for us, we can do it. He will grace us. Grace, His ability and His enabling power will cause us to be the overcomers that we need to be. We can't do it on our own. We were never intended to do it on our own if we could do everything on our own then why would we need a savior but that holy life is going to require something of us it's going to require us taking up our cross and following him daily not just on Sunday daily it really will require us putting ourselves aside It will require us saying, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And then us walking it out. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. You can teach a parrot to say it, but they can't always walk it out. It's going to require us pressing on and not giving up when things don't go our way or when the going gets tough. And I'm here to tell you, the going will get tough. It's not a matter of if the storms come, it's when. And then that's when we find out what we're really made of. That's when we find out how deep our roots go. Are we going to fall over when that crisis comes in our life? Are we going to stand and trust God and go on and live a holy life before Him? See, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. The Bible tells us that. In His presence, we will stand accountable. In His presence, change is required. Change will be required. And we're asked to change. That means that something must be wrong on the inside of us. Amen? None of us like to be told that we're wrong none of us like to be told that we have a problem none of us like to be told that we have pride in our life none of us like to be told that we have an attitude none of us like to be told that we're a controller that we're a manipulator none of us like to to be told that we all want to think that I'm okay you're okay everybody's okay hallelujah let's just sweep this little problem under the rug and everything's gonna be okay no it won't And don't be so deceived that you think that it will, because it will ruin you. It will cause death to come to you if things in our life are not dealt with, if sin in our life is not dealt with. And we're going to have to allow God to deal with our hearts. Personalities are involved, I understand that, but God created every one of us. In his image, pride. Wow, turning your Bibles to eight thirteen or eight to Proverbs eight thirteen. Proverbs eight thirteen. Sometimes pride is a tough nut to crack because nobody ever thinks that they have pride. For the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Froward, perverse, deviating from that what is considered right. Turn to your right to Proverbs 13, 10. Only by pride comes contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Keep going to 16, verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction. That's where we get the saying, pride goes before a fall. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, pride is saying, I'm right, you're wrong. Pride is being puffed up. Pride is the opposite of love, because love will always give. Manipulation will always take. I tell that to those that I do premarital counseling with. Love always gives, and manipulation will take. In other words, manipulation doesn't have a problem, it's your fault. Pride, hanging on to the things that self-desires, and saying all is okay. See, we have got to be of the same mind that was in Christ. Philippians 2, turn there if you would. A price to pay for freedom. Philippians 2, verse 5. that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you to will and to do of His good pleasure." See, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. So Paul is urging the Philippians here to let Christ's mind be in them so that they could think the way God thinks. Christ, who was equal with the Father, was willing to die for your sins and for mine. And because of his death on the cross, and God gave him a name that was high above every other name, He exalted him. And so if we let Christ's mind be in us and we think his thoughts, then we understand and we see that it is God working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, that puts meaning in us serving God because we see who he is. We see and we know who we are in him. And we see that God, is in us He is a holy God and he is in us and he expects holy living from us Amen that's the only way Saints that you're ever going to be a happy Christian or a joyous Christian is to understand the power of the Living God on the inside of each and every one of us to understand who he is in our life, and that we are to become like Him. There is great freedom in that. You know, there is bondage in coming to church and shouting hallelujah and running around the church and dancing and singing and lifting our hands and then going out and living like hell. There is bondage in that. Because you can never be free. But there is freedom when you just come to the altar and say, God, I give it up. I can't do it anymore. Just like our brother David did this morning. God is looking for a holy people. He is desiring holiness from you and from me. Why? Because He so desires to show Himself real to us. No more playing games. No more mocking Him. Us being one way and acting another. It will not compute. And when we stand in his presence someday in heaven, you know what he's going to say? It's not, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now that's enough to scare the P. Wadley out of you. It is. You know we need to become more eternity minded in this hour you know this is a land that we're just passing through but he desires a holy living from us knowing who we are in Christ see we can't we don't live for God uh, or, or we we can't we can't live for ourselves and live for God at the same time. Because this lust, this flesh lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. We can't have our cake and eat it too, and still enjoy the presence of God. It can't happen. It just can't happen. We have got to know the price, and understand the ultimate price that He paid, so that we can have life. You know, he gave, we used to sing a song, he he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt that I could not pay. Jesus humbled himself, and he became obedient even to death, the death of the cross. That, my friends, is love. That is love. A love that gave it all. The love that we did not deserve. But yet he gave it to us anyway. He paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. Jesus made the way. Amen? So, in order to be free, it's going to cost you something. Look at Luke 23. Verse 32, this is about the crucifixion of Jesus. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they were cruci- there they crucified him. And the malefactors are the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, Thou be Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest, comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. And when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. See, to love. To be free is going to cost you something. Love means being available for others. Love means willingly involve yourself in the lives of others. Love means willing to, to pay whatever it cost to show the love of God to others. Whatever it is, it's going to cost you something. I want to share with you now what Jesus offered to others just because he loved them. He offered forgiveness. Love means forgiving, regardless of how we hurt. Love means forgiving. And I'm sure that there were mixed emotions that day. Some were weeping as they saw the man that they loved getting ready to be put to death. There were others that were convinced that he was supposed to be hanging on that cross because earlier they had shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And then there were the two criminals, one on each side of him. And there were those that who really didn't care. They were just there to carry out his job of execution. And then there were those, like in verse 47, the centurion said, certainly this was a righteous man. So some that really didn't understand. There was a variety of people there that day. But in verse 34, if you'll look back there, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, love forgives. Regardless of what hurt has come to us, love will always forgive. Because you are hurt, and if you don't forgive, then you're going to hurt others. And you won't be able to show the love of God that supposedly shed brought in your heart to others if you don't forgive. See, hurting people hurt people. That's why the Bible says to guard our heart with all diligence, because out of it flow issues of life. In other words, life comes from our heart. That's why it's so important to guard it it's the most vital organ why because it gives life if your heart stops beating hey you've just met Jesus hopefully you met Jesus so we have to guard our heart we have to walk in forgiveness if we don't we're not walking in love love also means accepting regardless of how hard it may be. Forgiveness is a part of love. And here's Jesus standing on a cross or hanging on a cross between two thieves and their conversation is, hey, if you're the Christ, then save yourself. And the other criminal rebuked him saying, don't you fear God? We're punished. We're getting what we deserve. But this man, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus, what did he do? He said, today you shall be with me in paradise. He accepted him. He forgave them. He accepted them. While Jesus was on the cross getting ready to die, he took time to respond with love to that thief accepted him Are our toes hurting yet? when someone wrongs us what do we have a tendency to do? shun them you know I told you about the story one time that someone had had lied and how oh, anyway it was over just a petty little thing. And the man ended up in our yard and saying that I had lied. And I said, that's not true. Anyway, the wife came over and she finally admitted that she had lied. I knew nothing about what she was saying. But you know what? I just wanted to be ugly to her. That's what my flesh wanted to do. I'd see her coming and I'd think, oh, I think I have to go to the bathroom now. I did. I wanted to run. Instead of hug her in the foyer, I wanted to run to the bathroom. Why? Because I didn't like her. She had hurt me. But I thought, no, that's not what I should do. So I stood there and she would come in and she would just make a beeline for those doors. Just kind of go right past me. And I just grab her and I said, Good morning. Wow, you look pretty today. When really I just wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my flesh wanted to do. And you know that you would be the same way. See, I had to stir that love of God up on the inside of me and accept her and forgive her for what she had done i just really wanted to slap the fire out of her i did see that's where we have to know that god resides on the inside of us and if we're going to be the people of god the holy people of God that He desires us to be, then we're going to have to walk in love to those that are unlovely. And there are unlovely people out there. You know, there's there's people that are easy to love, and then there's some that, well, you have to do it by faith. And sometimes it's easier just to walk by and shun them. Sometimes it's easier just to say, oh, well, they just walked right by me, so I didn't know. Sometimes we have to speak first. Have you ever had somebody do something to you and say, Well, I'll just see if she speaks to me. And you walk right down the hallway and they pass and she doesn't speak and and you act just as little as they did? Remember this, always be the bigger person. Always be the bigger person. Letting the love of God be shed abroad in your heart toward the other one. They're not going to like it. They're going to feel uncomfortable. Because when I tell her, Oh, you look nice today. It's good to have you. And I'd hug her. It was like hugging this microphone. She just stood there, and I was going, and she just stood there like a dead fish. I thought, oh, well, hallelujah, this is exciting. But you know what? I did the bigger bigger thing. And eventually, little by little, that love won her over. And she apologized, and we were friends again. See, life is too short to go through life with grudges and unforgiveness and not accepting the other people. They may not ever be what you think that they should be, but you accept them for who they are. You show the love of God and then let that love of God that comes from you change them. Amen? That's part of living life with no regrets. There's people that we don't necessarily want to love. Some people are harder to love. It could be a neighbor, it could be a worker, it could be a family member. It could be somebody that you're sitting next to. That's when we have to remember the love that Jesus had for others. Now, Jesse, just calm down. And if we are to glorify the Father, then we're going to have to respond to these people the way He responded. Who are we to be any different, to love them less than what Jesus did? See, Jesus accepts people just the way they are. Aren't you glad that he accepted you just the way you were? Aren't you glad that he didn't say, Oh, no, you can't come into my presence because you're too dirty. No, he accepts us just the way we are. And then the more we're in his presence, then the more we become like him. The more we understand who he is, that he is a holy God, and he expects us to be a holy people. Jesus loved the sinner. He forgave them, and he accepted them. How can we do anything less? This week, this week before Easter's called Holy Week, I encourage you and me to judge ourselves. I encourage you, if you're not right with God, to get right with God. I encourage you that whatever is on the inside of you that's causing you to totally surrender and totally to be all that you need to be for God, to lay it down at the altar this morning and be done with it once and for all. Don't pick it up when you go back to your seat. Leave it there. Then you put your flesh aside and you walk in the love of God to those who are not so lovely. I encourage you to start a new beginning. Let's put aside our agenda. And let's take up God's agenda as being our top priority. Let's empty ourselves so that we have room for nothing except doing the will of God. Amen? The price that was paid for our freedom, we have a price to pay also. Not my will, but thy will be done. Last night, just before I went to bed, I normally don't read these things, but this came from my uncle in California, and, and the title of it caught my eye, Malachi 3, 3. It says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And it really went right along with what I was preaching. So this says that there was a group of women in a Bible study, and and there were had some questions about that that scripture, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And they wondered what that statement meant about the character and nature of God. So one woman offered to um, go to a a silversmith and just ask some questions. So she did, and she didn't tell him why she was there. She just said that she was curious about how he did his job. So the silversmith made an appointment, and and, uh, as she watched the silversmith, he held up a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. And he explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver right in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse that says, He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. And the man answered, Yes. He not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eye on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was left a moment too long in the flames... It would be destroyed. So this woman sat there for a moment, and then she asked the silversmith, How do you know when the silver is fully refined? And he smiled at her and answered, Oh, that's easy when you see my image in it. When you see my image in it. You may feel like God has you over the flames, but you know what, He's watching you. He's got His hand upon you, and He's not going to let you stay there too long that you're totally destroyed, but He's going to sit there right with you as you're being purified, and then when you become like Him when His image shone so brightly through you, then His job is done. Amen? He is a holy God. And He's looking for a holy people. There's a price to be paid for that holiness. There's a price to be paid for His presence in our midst. There's a price to be paid for freedom. I ask you this morning as the worship team comes, are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to know Him and to have Him in our presence? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to stay in that fire until we see His image in us? Are we going to bail out and say it's too hard? We can't do it. You're right, you can't do it, but you can with Him. He loves you, obviously, more than life itself. He died so that we could live. We are celebrating this season a resurrected Savior, the I Am. And He desires you to be holy, as he is holy so today as we close the service with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to ask if there are any here today that do not know this Holy One that we've been talking about If you do not know Jesus now listen to me as your Lord he does not have full control of your life then you need to know him in a greater way it's one thing to confess him it's another one to live it out so if you are here this morning and you do not know jesus as your lord and as your savior he is bidding you to come he is knocking on your heart's door and he is saying will you open the door unto me I want to come in and sup with you. I want to clean all of the impurities out of your life. But you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to put pride aside. You're going to have to know that it's not okay with me. That this, the things that I'm dealing with is nobody's fault but my own. Take responsibility for who you are and what's going on with your life. So is there anyone at all That needs to make him Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you simply raise your hand? And we want to pray for you. Okay, would you come? Brother Joe's going to come and minister to you. Now with your head still bowed, there may be some of you here today that just need to come to the altar and repent get things right with God once and for all just like our brother David did you need to just come and allow him to be Lord of your life he knows everything about you but there will be a freedom to come to you when you will give it all to him willingly and knowingly. Remember my testimony of when I knew we were going into the ministry and I didn't want to go? And I told Pastor I had to have some time in the basement, so he took the kids and left me alone. God knew what I was going through, but when I finally gave it to him willingly, then there was a freedom that came to me. When I finally told him, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do, I will go wherever you want me to go, even to Houston. I will follow him I will be his helpmate if it's ministry whatever it is I will do it and when I finally got that out of me then there was a freedom that came to me and the rest is history so if you're here today and you need to come and willingly submit your way to the will of God then the altars are open as we sing this song. Come back tonight. We're going to be preaching on living the abundant life. Doesn't include money. I'll tell you that. So we want you to come tonight. God bless you. I love you. I'm thankful to be your pastor. And have a great afternoon. God bless you. Holy ground we're standing,